Greetings. Have you ever really wondered how it is that people grow apart? You didn't expect that when you first were in a relationship with someone that seemed so exciting, seemed like you were connected, seemed like you had such a great future potential with each other. How is it that that happens? People grow apart. It's a nice little phrase, but it's pretty trite and it really doesn't have a lot of meaning, but it puts a band-aid on something that's really important to look at. I'm Lori Olson and I'm doing a series on how to be a more competent self-manager for health and well-being. I'm a psychotherapist and that means I see people in clinics. I've seen people in private practice. Most recently, I've seen people who will pay $30,000 a month to sit with me to get the advice I'm giving for free in these podcasts. You want to be more successful in your relationships and managing anxiety and distress, please go back to podcast one and we take these tips seriously because people are paying for these things and not only be paying for them, they really make a huge difference in the way people experience themselves, others, and their lives. Let's go back to this active listening part two uh, in podcast nine we're doing right now. In podcast eight, we started a concept of how people can feel alone in a crowd, how people feel others don't get them. It's a continuation of that because people grow apart and they're not getting each other. They're not really understanding, they're connecting. So let's, let's just understand that active listening out there, everyone says, I've heard a million times, oh, I know active listening. I have a course in that. I did this and that, and they proceed in the conversation that I'm observing or in conversation with them to not be active listeners. So it may seem silly, it may seem trite, but there's ways to actually actively listen, and that includes using clean language. I don't mean anything about cursing or the type, type of language you're using other than clean language meaning I don't put my perspective of the world that's influenced by my experiences and all my stuff, I don't put that as universal truth on every person. And wouldn't that be a nice world? We had actually different political parties that didn't put their version of the world as if it was universal truth, but instead we wondered about each other. We would do some stuff like communicate. And it doesn't mean you're great. So active listening and clean language doesn't mean that you need to agree. What it does mean is that you get to be an authentic voice that advocates for yourself and you get to be known in the relationship. And if someone is actively listening to you, they, they're going to get that. Remember, it doesn't mean agree. So let's just recap what we, what some of the points we made in um, podcast eight. Active listening, clean language. The goal is to build strong feeling good, right relationships. And you can build emotional intimacy using these methods. And conversely, if you're not doing it, you're not going to get that emotional intimacy. The being human doers side by side, you know, in three walks in life, you can be a human doer for decades with someone. Know what they do, know what their schedule is like, know their hobbies, walk on the beach with them, da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, you can do that side by side with a lot of people. It doesn't make you close to them. 
If you think you're just being a human doer and you're doing everything for someone, they don't know your internal experience and you don't know theirs. Yeah, that's how people really never grew apart. They just never got to know each other. Okay, really know each other outside of the, the initial um, attraction. Initial attraction can last several years. When you get to that commitment stage in a relationship, you really start have to build, really seriously build, what is it like being you? Because those relationships do not fall apart. They don't. They get stronger and stronger. So let's just recap some of these ideas. People feel connected to others who take time to accept, validate, and understand their, is it like being you? Is it that you're seeing? I don't understand that. Tell me more. Right? Or I said, doesn't mean agreement. People feel disconnected and dismissed. I put down all kinds of things when people either purposely or even accidentally deny, avoid, or do not listen to what's going on in that person inside them. What's their unique feeling perspective? And this happens a lot, as I said, when people are quick to use logic in response to an emotional person. It also happens when people accidentally or purposely impose their perspective on someone else as if I'm right and you're wrong. That divide, that's a divide in relationship. And that's part of being in a maladaptive corner of defending. You're defending against the distress that someone doesn't hear you or someone might think differently than you. Well, that was adaptive when you were a kid, you learned it, it was adaptive then. But these, what I'm calling the maladaptive corner now, are anything that we do to defend our own personal distress. And we know we're defending when we're reactive. Defending our own personal distress is something. But we do it in a way that it makes us feel right, makes us feel strong, makes us feel one up. And the block, we're going to, you know, talk in a minute more about that. But just to recap um, the, the principles here, we want to know that people who are reactive are not operating from the logical portions of their minds. This means that you want to be responded to by someone who actively listens to what you're feeling and you want to respond to others. What's going on in their internal experience and their perspective? Because you can't tell by looking at someone. you got to ask. What's that like? Because people can put on a you know, a quiet facade, and they can be angry. What's going on inside you? You let them have a safe place to tell you without immediately discounting that. And, you know, if you move too quickly into logically problem-solving, you're operating from a different part of your brain, your prefrontal cortex, which has a different kind of logic than your emotional centers of the brain. And, you know, people need to have logic, of course, to problem-solve, but when somebody's emotional, it's best to wait to use reasoning and people have settled down and have felt heard. So you can identify what the real problem is and not go jumping ahead of things and assuming that you know what your problem is. You know the whole saying that we assume, right? We need to go there now. But people who are behaving in a reactive manner have typically been triggered by something in the present and they're operating as if what was true for them in the past is happening now. This is particularly true with trauma. It is important to be present with a reactive person. And, then, and that includes yourself. Be present with yourself. What's happening? Invite this person or yourself to say, what's happening? Share that internal perspective without them feeling discounted 
and shamed. The shame is feeling less than, shame is feeling disconnected. Oh, that's an important word for you to consider when you're feeling shame. I'm not good enough to be connected. This allows them, the person that's feeling something, that is, to feel emotionally safe. And you're also helping that person to increase their tolerance for distress and ultimately to change their past experience that, oh, even though I felt like junk when that happened originally, I now feel safe with you. And I see that what happened in the past is not happening now. So the bottom line is people feel secure and heard when others accept them. They accept them. I, you, you are who you are. I don't expect you to be someone else for me. I accept you. We understand this is your process, this is the way you do things, and I validate that this is important to you. I'm not going to dismiss it as because it's not important to me. Remember, it doesn't involve agreement. So you can, of course, that's where agree to disagree comes in, but it doesn't have to feel like walls are up. I just get that that's important to me. Well, let's do that maybe, and let's not do that because here's various reasons. Now you're moving into problem solving, right? Okay, so it's very important to remember that reactive people, reactive people, we all get there, are being defensive. And what are they defending? It's not about leaving a toilet seat up, it's not about not putting a cup in the dishwasher, it's not about you rolling your eyes, it's about meaning that that little trigger has to them to launch into the past. People are reacting, they're defending against some inner woundedness. And that is why it's so important not to read someone's mind. You may think you know they're doing this because of that, but then you are a mind reader because you're putting your version of the world on, on that. Ask them, what's going on? Because in court, you have to be, you have, your motive has to be proven. And sometimes that's really hard to do. You have a lot of evidence that says it looks this way, but to me, to the jury, a lot of that is just circumstantial, and that's also the way you look at the world. That's what it seems like to you. But lots of people who can maybe be like um, tyrant-style parents, one could from the outside and say, well, I guess you don't love your kid. And the answer could be their eternal experience. I love my kids so much. I'm so full with, filled with fear. And I just, just got to make sure that I control things. And control is a maladaptive defense. For what? Distress. And I hope you can see where we're going with this. So there are four ways that people can be in that maladaptive corner, and they're defensive. And they're defending against their own internal distress. And we don't know what it is, but we certainly can see that the behavior is problematic. Why are the behaviors problematic? Because they divide and destroy relationships. Lots of problems out there. We can have lots of problems. We don't have to be at war with each other, right? We don't have to feel divided or destroyed. Anything that ruptures relationship can lead people to feel like they're growing apart. Even if it's just, I don't talk to you, that's a rupture. It can't be, it can't be close to someone behind a wall. That person's not feeling safe, but doesn't know how to come out. They protect themselves by not being known, right? So it's important to have emotionally safe space outside walls, outside of you know, cannons and shooting and all that kind of stuff. So here we go. It's helpful to remember that reactive people are being defensive and they are defending some inner woundedness. People reactively defend in four basic ways. Lots of variations in each of these types. Lots and lots of them. People use attack defenses like yelling, screaming, ridicule, labeling, dismissing, 
verbal, um, horribly verbal venom type remarks, hitting, even over explaining. Over explaining can seem just like you're so logical, but you're basically saying my version of the world is what you need to agree with, right? You're seeking agreement, you're seeking to be right, and you're incessantly <laughs> doing it, you know, beyond what the other person is able to receive, you are defending and dismissing the other person. So we're going to have to uh, talk in another podcast about how, how you're going to pull off all these skills. It's important to understand what the, what is going on. You know, so you like uh, have a map. What's happening here? It's not random. It's something that becomes very clear to you once you consider that people need attack defenses I just mentioned, being self-attack defenses by playing the victim, self-harming, and use avoidance defenses by becoming maybe emotionally unavailable or always so laid back you don't never get rattled at all um, by being a doormat, so um, indifferent. It's kind of like a defense of saying, I don't, I don't care. You know, it could be that they, I have an identity, I'm just laid back, nothing rattles me. I mean, that could be a defense. Using substances, certainly that avoids distress. Procrastinating, nah, you'll have to look at it now. I'll put my head in the sand. Gambling, porn, and so forth. And withdrawal is another type of defense. You take power back by punishing someone else by pulling away, holding a grudge, withdrawing well. So it's important to remember that people sometimes use a variety of these reactive defenses and that some people just repeatedly use a few. So you, you might uh, see, for example, a person who does use avoidance, they may regularly procrastinate, but they never use substances, or they regularly avoid and they never use attack defenses. Okay. So anyway, we're going to continue this conversation uh, in the next podcast, and that would be podcast 10, part 3 of, of active listening, clean language. We're going to develop into the, the really must-do skills that you really want to be connected with someone, what you need to do. So this is Lori Olson, and you can find the rest of the series on iTunes under Lori Olson, that's O-L-S-O-N, and the series is called How to Be a Competent Self-Manager for Health and Well-Being. And if you follow each and every one of these podcasts all the way back, podcast one, and talk about how to how to do things in a different way so that you can interrupt patterns of anxiety, depression, and any other stigmatizing label. I don't like the labels. This is what you learn to do. It's not who you are. ADPtherapy.com and at Facebook, Discover Me PG. Look forward to making the next podcast. I hope you're enjoying the series. Give me feedback at Lori, L-O-R-I, at ADPtherapy.com.